Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Today, I want to share with you a very simple tweak that you can make in your approach that can literally instantly reduce the amount of relapses that you have as you move forward trying to overcome an addiction to pornography. I work with so many men who have this underlying fear or in the back of their mind, there's this concern that as they start to do well, the next relapse is around the corner. And even though they're describing themselves as making progress, they're overcoming their urges and triggers, they're able to work through things in a different way, there's still this concern that what if they slip? And as a result of that type of thinking, it creates this anxiety, it creates this uncertainty, and it actually makes it so they think about this more instead of less. I was on a coaching call recently and one of the guys asked a question that I thought was such an important question. And for him, he had been doing really well in the process. He hadn't slipped in weeks, which was a big improvement for him because prior to working with me, he'd been struggling multiple times a week. And so despite him doing well, the question that he asked me really helped me get a better sense of how he perceived the slip and a relapse and why it was causing him a problem. He said that as I'm doing well, if I do slip in the future, what does that look like? Is there more guilt? Is it going to be a binge? Am I going to totally fall off the wagon and feel like you know I'm going back to ground zero? And the way that he framed that, again, indicated how he saw this. And I wanted to share with him the answer that helped him to start to reduce his slips, which again, I wanted to pass along to you today. So ultimately, it's so important to recognize that that question or when somebody thinks about if I slip, what does that mean? What impact is that going to have? It resets my streak counter back to zero. The problem with that way of looking at it, it is it's all or nothing thinking. And that doesn't benefit somebody who's struggling to overcome pornography because there's so much concern and fear wrapped up in the idea that if I'm doing well and then I slip after weeks or months of progress, then it all goes back to zero. And so when somebody thinks about things in those terms, how could you not feel anxious? Especially if you haven't had success in the past. If you had been continually in this loop of trying to make progress and then failing, and then trying to make progress and then failing, and you do well for a few weeks, and it's, then it goes to be a couple of months, and then you fail again, it's so discouraging for so many men who get stuck in that pattern. And so one thing to keep in mind is that this all-or-nothing thinking doesn't benefit you. Rather, it's to what degree are you making progress? And so that's what I want to share with you, a very different way of looking at this. It's to what degree are you making progress with regard to overcoming pornography? To what degree are you rebuilding trust in your relationship? To what degree are you resolving the triggers and the root cause of why you're struggling? Because when somebody says, you know, I had a slip and it had been four weeks and now I'm so depressed that I'm back at square one, it creates this anxiety and fear that the better you get and the further you get along in the process, the more it starts to loom because then the street counter piles up and you start to get worried and the more pressure that there is that you don't mess it up. What I find is when somebody approaches it in this way, it actually creates more stress and anxiety. It isn't this, hey, I'm doing so well. It's been four months now. While yes, there's a part of that for people, the other part still exists, which is, and I don't want to screw this up because if I do, what will that mean? And so I want to share with you a quick little analogy, one way that can help to start to think about this in a different way, so then you can start to apply this. The analogy is, imagine you're on a hike. If you've ever been to uh, some kind of a tall mountain, or in Hawaii, they have these different hikes, and the path is very, very narrow. 
And if you've seen any of these tall mountains in Hawaii or anywhere else, and there's a very narrow path that wraps around the mountainside, if you're on that hike and the thing that you're thinking about is, I hope I don't fall off. I hope I don't take a step that slides me down the hill. I hope I don't hit the ground. Number one, it's impossible to enjoy the hike because you're constantly worried about the negative thing that could be happening. Number two, the more you focus on where you don't want to be and how you don't wanna fall, the more you focus on that, the more that's on you at the top of your mind. And what, that, what people find is that when you focus on something negative, that's a part of what you almost invite into your life because that's at the center stage of your mind. And so instead of thinking, oh, I hope I don't take a wrong step here, the shift is, I want to focus on what's the most safe place for me to put my foot right now? How can I most effectively navigate this path so I enjoy it and also so I'm safe? And this maybe is where the analogy breaks down a little bit, but because the hike is a one-time thing, whereas doing this process and this journey, it's a lifetime kind of a process of self-development and progress. It doesn't take a lifetime to overcome an addiction, but it is a lifetime of growth and building security in your relationship and enjoying your time together and becoming the person you were meant to be. That's, that happens over a lifetime, which is good because again, growth never ends. Growth is empowering, growth is exciting, growth is motivating. And so with regard to the analogy, it's like, okay, well, how do I strengthen my legs? I'm coming up against this cliff here. There's this rock wall that's here that I can't quite reach to the top. So how do I strengthen my legs to help push me up to the top and find my footing? And how do I increase my grip strength? So again, the focus is on how you want to become and how you want to be instead of where you don't want to put your foot. And yes, on a hike, of course, there's wisdom in being mindful of the pitfalls. And I think that's true in life. We don't want to just make bad decisions over and over and over again and not care. But finding this balance between, okay, I, I want to avoid negative, you know, I want to avoid bad decisions. I don't want to you know, struggle unnecessarily in my life. However, the shift is that instead of focusing on avoiding bad decisions, it's, yes, I don't want to make bad decisions. And how do I put myself in a position to make the best decision possible? That's a very, very different thing. How do I make an excellent decision versus how do I avoid a bad one? Again, there's a difference if you're swimming in the ocean, let's say, or in a pool. There's a difference between not drowning and swimming smoothly and effectively. And I feel like so many people in this process focus on the streak. And it's, okay, it's been 90 days. It's been, you know, 20 days. How do I not mess this up? Very, very different question I want to encourage you to ask yourself. It's how do I continue to grow as a person? How do I continue to make progress and resolve the triggers that I'm experiencing? How do I continue to address the root cause of why I'm struggling? How do I build relationships around me? All of these are much more solution-focused. They're much more action-oriented instead of just simply avoiding a negative consequence or outcome. So another way to put this is instead of tracking your streak, and resetting the streak when you make a mistake, you simply just want to refine instead of reset. You're refining your approach. You're refining what you need to do to make sure you don't make that same mistake again. You're refining how you approach the next trigger. How are you approaching the underlying issue that might not be resolved? So again, instead of resetting, you refine. Hey everyone, real quick, I'm building my social media presence and on Instagram every single day, I'm posting a specific tool, a strategy, a tip, a piece of advice 
something that you can implement that day to start to see progress, whether it's in your relationship or whether it's you individually looking for tools to overcome pornography. So if you're interested and you wanna get some actionable things you can implement on a more day-to-day consistent basis, just go to my username, Sam Telemans underscore MFT. And you can follow me there and get another level of tools and support in between these episodes if that would be helpful. All right, back to the show. Another analogy that I like to use or think about in this process, there's a there's an orchard here in uh, where I live in Las Vegas on a different side of town. It's kind of strange that there's an orchard in the middle, middle of a desert. But in this orchard, you can go and pick apples. And if you go out there and watch people picking apples, they pull them down from the tree and they toss them into a barrel. And if you watch them do this process, when they pull them down, they throw it into the barrel and most of the time they make it. But sometimes they toss it and they miss it. So when you think about this parallel, when somebody misses the apple in the bucket, they don't go over to the bucket, think to themselves like, I'm so stupid. How could I just, how could I have missed that? Why didn't this apple go in there? How come I'm so dumb and I can't aim right? And they take the whole barrel and dump everything out. That approach doesn't really happen in other areas of life. If you simply miss the bucket, you go over, pick it up, and toss it in. Or you just keep going as you're pulling apples down off the tree. That's what they do, right? They just keep pulling apples off the tree, and then at the very end, they go and gather the ones that didn't make it in. This is the best type of approach to apply for somebody who's trying to overcome some kind of an addiction or a habit to pornography. Instead of, oh, I had a good day. Cool, now that's day one. Day five, still having a good day, no slip. Day 10, no slip. Day 11, slip. It's like, ah, what's wrong with me? How come I keep screwing up? I'm going back to zero. This path feels so overwhelming now because it doesn't matter how how much effort I put in here, I ultimately slip and then I'm back to ground zero. It leaves people being completely demotivated. It leaves them feeling so discouraged and depressed and it makes it so they actually try less. And so going back to this uh, apple apple, uh, orchard analogy, people who take the apple off the tree and toss it into the bucket, if they miss, they simply think to themselves, okay, that was too far to the right, or I threw it too hard. It simply acts as feedback. So the next apple they pull off the tree, they use the feedback that they just learned and throw it a little softer and then it goes in. And then they do it, you know, 10 more times and it goes in and in and in and then they miss. Then it's like, oh, I threw it a little too softly this time or it was too far to the left. They grab the next apple, use the feedback that they just learned and then toss it in and pivot and course correct how they're approaching that, you know, that throw. And then they're back on track. That is the perfect way to approach this scenario as well. The clients that I've worked with who have the best success are the ones who are self-compassionate, who can recognize when they have a misstep. And instead of giving themselves permission, again, this idea, and sometimes I, I share this idea when I'm working with a couple and the wife has a concern that, okay, well, if my husband doesn't reset his count and if my husband doesn't take responsibility for this, then he's just gonna keep going. This is gonna be just license for him to do this. He's gonna give himself permission to keep slipping because he's not tracking that anymore. And so the response that I always share is, Number one, we want to take accountability for our decisions. Number two, we are tracking things, but we're tracking something different than a streak. We're tracking progress and direction and the approach that you take when there is a misstep. Because once you track, again, in the Apple analogy, oh, I threw it too hard, that becomes feedback to adjust how hard you throw it. So the same thing is true if a husband has a slip, 
The goal is to identify it and take a step back. What caused this? How did I end up here? What led me to this? What was this circumstance that contributed to this? What underlying feelings that I have I been experiencing that could be contributing to why I did what I did? The assessment is critical because that's how you can get the feedback you need to make a different decision. So we are tracking things, but not in the traditional sense of doing it, which is the streak and the counter and how long it's been in between slips. That is far less beneficial and effective than tracking approach, focus, the steps that you are taking to make progress, and working through the underlying issues that are driving the problem. Now, as I share this analogy with you, it's important to keep in mind that this doesn't take into account, of course, the effect that a slip or a relapse has on a spouse. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm speaking to that part of this as well, because with, of course, like this, again, it's like a silly analogy, but the principle I think is sound, where we want feedback. Whenever there is a relapse or a setback or a slip or whatever happens, we absolutely want and need feedback. And the whole purpose of me sharing this with you is that is to really try to illustrate that shame doesn't help. I've never seen that be this really uplifting, empowering influence. Rather, it depresses, it discourages, it demotivates. It actually, it actually influences people to take less action. So that's my whole purpose in sharing this analogy, not to minimize the impact that it has. And it might come off like that as I describe this. That's why I want to kind of share this other side of it. It's so important to get the feedback without the shame, because if there's no shame, then you're more likely to act and make the changes that are absolutely necessary. Now, the thing that this analogy does not take into account is the effect it has on a spouse. So, of course, whenever there is a setback or a relapse or a slip or, again, whatever you want to describe it, whatever actually, you know, whatever happens, it's, it, it's devastating for a spouse. And so I don't want to overlook or minimize that because it's so critical that she's taken care of in this. And when there is a slip or a setback or a relapse, it's so important to be able to address the pain that she's in to take the accountability accountability and the action necessary to resolve that pain. Because when I'm describing it in like this, I don't want it to come off like, oh, I slipped, whatever, I missed the I missed the apple, I threw the apple and it didn't land in the bucket. Huh, that's all right, whatever. That's not at all what I'm saying. So I don't want people to misunderstand. It, it does have a huge impact on a spouse, of course, especially when trust is very, you know, trust, trust is it's so fragile, especially in the early phases of this process, when, when, there's a sense of hope and we're making progress and then, you know, setback. And then there's hope, we do well for a few weeks, setback. It's so discouraging for a spouse, of course. And I know that as I've been talking about things in this episode, I've been using the word slip. I guess it's just kind of shorthand for brevity's sake. Uh, I think it's the same principle, whether it's a slip or a relapse or however you define those terms, going from something like an inappropriate glance at somebody all the way to like a full full-on physical affair and beyond to whatever degree there's a breach it all hurts it's all painful and it's really important that the root cause of any of the behavior that's inappropriate it's so critical that the root cause of that gets resolved and taking this seriously and making sure you're putting in the work and energy and effort necessary to change it's critical so i want the women listening to this to understand that it's important, like, number one, I under, I totally understand and see the effect of this. And number two, it's really, really important that your husband sees this so he can take this seriously. Again, in the analogy, it's more like, ah, oh, threw an apple and missed. Huh. 
But with this type of situation, when there's betrayal and pain and hurt and broken trust, it's not like a, oh, oh well, like we'll, we'll, we'll try it better next time. It's not a flippant approach like that. It's, it has serious consequences. It has real consequences that hurt and it's painful, especially for a spouse who wants so much to exit this negative cycle. But with this kind of stuff, this, the principle is sound. We want to get the feedback, but we want to take this very, very seriously and then put in the attention and the effort that's so necessary to resolve why these breaches are happening in the first place and to make sure that she's feeling supported all along the way. And I think that that's possible to do when your heart is in the right place, when you have the tools necessary to support her, to comfort her, and then to implement a plan and take the action necessary to actually change so this doesn't keep happening. That's the purpose of this whole, you know, my podcast, I want so much for people to get the tools they need to not only understand what's going on, but have tools and an action plan and steps that they can take to actually create change. And so again, the purpose of me sharing this particular analogy is the it's the release of shame that I'm trying to describe because when that's in place, it's so much easier and more effective and clearer to get the feedback that you need to actually make the changes. Sometimes men in this process do feel this fear of, okay, well, if I do make a mistake, they have this overwhelm and this fear and this dread of like, I really don't want to slip, which I totally understand. They don't want to feel like they're going backwards in the process. One of their major concerns is that if they do slip, then it's gonna cause a huge problem in their relationship. The trust that they have in their relationship with their wife is gonna go back to zero and it's gonna blow everything up. One thing to keep in mind, I've worked with so many couples in the past that as they understand this new way of approaching things, as the husband learns how to create safety for his wife, as he learns how to be more honest and transparent and create more a level of trust and, and love and help her feel supported in this, when she's not alone and when she feels validated and seen and like she matters, I've worked with so many couples where when there is a slip and he approaches it in a different way, instead of hiding and lying and minimizing it, which of course does blow up the trust, when there's a slip that happens, you can actually use that moment to build trust, which might sound like a strange thing because if a slip happens, historically for most people, it undermines trust, which it's, this is where I think it's so helpful to recognize that trust is built up of multiple things. Sure, you can have trust. A wife can trust her husband that he's not going to slip anymore because he's done the work. Another aspect of trust is that if he does slip, she can feel 100% confident that he's going to come to her. Him being transparent and honest when there's a slip creates more and more trust for her in that aspect, in that category of trust. Because if she doesn't have to worry about having to be a detective and ask the right questions in order for him to answer and to tell her when there has been a slip up, or if she doesn't have to feel like she has to go through his internet browser or monitor his phone and check the filtering software, that's a burden she doesn't want to carry. And so if she feels 100% confident that he's going to come and tell me what happens when something does happen that I need to know about, she can trust him. It can also build trust in the way that he shares the slip. In a previous episode, not you know, there's a few episodes back, I'll put the link in the show notes, I shared with you exactly how to disclose a slip in a way that builds trust and safety, which again, there are steps to do this. My point though in sharing this with you is that even if there's a slip, you can still use those moments to build trust in your relationship 
by number one, how you share it, and number two, the other aspects of what make up trust. And so when you're sharing that there's been a slip and you come up with a plan to address it, and you share with your wife how it happened and why it happened and what the trigger was and what you're gonna do differently next time, she can start to trust that you're doing your work, that you're approaching this differently. And as she sees you take those steps and implement that plan, that's what brings the safety. It isn't, again, this magical counter of, okay, it's been 20 days now, do you trust me? It's been 40 days now that I haven't slipped, do you trust me now? That's not how trust works. It's built through how we feel. Do we have a sense of safety? Are we feeling more connected? Are we seeing them do their work? Are they implementing their plan? Are they being honest with me? There's so many other ways that you can positively build trust that don't involve a streak. And again, that's what I feel like for so many people, it's an illusion. And it's just, it's the way of looking at it that doesn't promote growth. Unintentionally for so many people, it creates a part of them that feels anxious and worried. So that then it's like, oh, well, I've done so well, I don't want to mess up. So as you're, as you're listening to this, I would encourage you to think about it in these terms and consider dropping the streak. And instead, focus on the steps that you want to take to become the person that you want to be. The more you can recognize your triggers, recognize the underlying feelings that lead to slips, include your wife in the process and share with her, being open and transparent and sharing with her what's happening for you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because letting her in the process, letting her in in that way into this process is a huge part of how you can build trust and help her see that you're on the trajectory that leads to healing and growth. And so as you track your progress in this way, you're gonna feel much more confident. You're not gonna feel the same level of pressure of if I make a mistake, this whole thing blows up because it doesn't. You don't learn, you don't, you don't lose the skills that you've learned along the way. Again, going back to the orchard analogy, if you throw an apple and it doesn't make it into the bucket, it doesn't now put the, the, the barrel of apples that you have, it doesn't dump those out. In the same way, you don't lose skills that you've learned. You don't lose the progress of emotional growth and becoming more solid as a person and learning how to communicate more effectively with your wife. None of that disappears. And so to link progress to the streak undermines all of the other good things that are in place that when there is a slip, it just requires, it just simply requires refining instead of resetting. So I hope this is helpful. I would encourage you to consider things in these terms and notice how it feels as you're walking down this path with that mindset. It will build confidence. It will build a sense of security knowing I can make progress. I can pivot when I need to. And this is the path for me to become the person that I was meant to be. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore. Go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com groups slash tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship so you can actually move forward and leave all this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.